Hi, everybody. This is Gad Saad in my forthcoming book, The Sad Truth About Happiness, which I hope that you will head off after watching or listening to this clip and pre-order your copy. Uh, I have a chapter on uh, the importance of persi persistence and on the importance of being anti-fragile to failure. The, the idea is, of course, that many of the things that are worthwhile to pursue in life are laden with obstacles with difficulties so it requires resilience and grit and uh, exposure to the possibility of failure and then how you uh, rebound from that failure and so I have a whole chapter on that topic with you know many personal anecdotes you know backed up by ancient wisdoms and modern science and so today I wanted to contextualize that chapter in the uh, against the backdrop of this following article, which I'm about to read, maybe all of it or some of it, and I'll, I'll put it in the link. So this is in the College Fix, March 27, 2023. The title of the article is Some Colleges Eliminate Grading, Cite Students' Poor Mental Health and Lack of Preparation. Ungrading is a growing trend according trend according to NPR. More colleges are eliminating the standard A through F letter grading system for their students in an attempt to help them transition to college and manage their mental health. Called ungrading, the idea is meant to ease the transition to higher education, especially for freshmen who are the first in their families to go to college or who weren't well prepared for college level work in high school and need more time to master it. NPR reported Sunday. Some advocates say students are too preoccupied with grades to focus on learning and grades don't measure mastery of concepts, the news outlet reported. Grades are not a representation of student learning, Jody Green, special advisor to the Provost for Educational Equity and Academic Success at the University of California, Santa Cruz, told NPR. Several faculty at UCSC are, quote, experimenting with various forms of ungrading. <clears throat> In addition to UCSC, the University of Pittsburgh, Missouri State University, University of Texas at Austin, and Ball State University in Indiana each employ faculty who are trying ungrading, NPR reported. Additionally, Barnard College in Manhattan, Emory University in Georgia, and Baylor University in Texas provide their professors with information about the practice. In January 2021, the college fix reported on a math professor at Grand Valley State University in Michigan who adopted the method in his upper level geometry class and allowed students to quote convincingly argue close quotes that they deserve a particular final grade for the course. Some professors are adopting ungrading as a response to heightened mental health concerns, the news outlet reported. And then it goes on talking about, you know, the mental health issues and so on. So let me speak about a few things. Number one, uh, many years ago now, I wrote an article in Psychology Today, uh, something to the effect of, uh, you know, I'll have a burger with fries, hold the pickles along with my MBA. And the reason why I had written that article is because the number of credits that are required to pursue an MBA keep going down 
as a response to competitive market forces, meaning basically there is a spiral downwards of MBA schools trying to attract students. And one of the ways that you could attract them is to say, hey, you don't have to do anything. Just come give us tons of money and we'll give you an MBA. And so one school says, hey, we can reduce the standard MBA from two years to 18 months. Another one says, oh, we could you could have it an accelerated one month or you could do an executive MBA every one every fourth weekend you go to a retreat. Okay, so that's one thing. But then you you formally start reducing the number of credits. So if I remember correctly, when I did my MBA, I think I had done 67 credits. I mean, it was every semester was five, six heavy MBA courses. Now, a few years ago at my university, I think they reduced it to 45 credits. So we went in one generation from you know, reducing the program by roughly a third. So think about that. When I got an MBA, you had to, you know, take a whole bunch of more courses and do a whole bunch of more things to get your MBA. Now, medical schools are going, some medical schools from four-year medical degrees to excel, you know, you do it in three years because, you know, people don't have time. You have to, you know, uh, respond to market realities and contemporary realities. People should be able to get their their MBAs, their MDs, their whatever quicker. So let's reduce the number of credits that you need. So already that violates the integrity of the academic process. If for 50, 60, 100 years, you needed a, a fixed number of credits to graduate from a program, why is it that suddenly we now have a complete reduction in what is required for you to get the same degree designation. So that's number one. Number two, in the parasitic mind, I talked about the astounding grade inflation that you see if you do an analysis of grade. You know, the average grade, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the exact date, but 30, 40 years ago, this was a Duke professor who had done the analysis. I, I, I cite the work in the parasitic mind. The average grade was, as you would expect, a C, right? And now the average grade is an A, in, certainly in American universities. Of course, I don't need to tell you this. I've never succumbed to any of these pressures. Okay, so number one, you have a complete reduction in the number of credits that are needed to complete the same degree, right? But now suddenly, magically, you need countless fewer credits to complete the same uh, degree. Grading completely erosion of what it means to get an A or a B or a C because, you know, it's not nice. It's not fair. That's another thing. Medical schools now are removing grading and creating pass or fail because the medical students are simply too, you know, stressed in their medical studies because you don't want someone who's working on saving your life to have ever been exposed to stress, to have ever had to develop resilience and grit, to be anti-fragile to environmental stressors. Right. Again, it all comes from the perspective of the customer is king. What we need to maximize is empathy, is compassion. So now we have students are all suffering from an uh, epidemic of mental health. So just I think it was the start of this semester or maybe it was last semester. We had a departmental meeting uh, where people were saying, you know, kind of giving their uh uh, sharing th their anecdotes, you know, since we've gone back from remote learning or remote teaching during COVID, 
to now, of course, completely in-person teaching. And it was just astounding to listen to the people, right? To, these are, you know, instructors or, or lecturers or, or in most cases, professors. Oh, well, you know, students are no longer able because they have such anxiety to actually sit for an entire lecture. It's too much for them. Now, these are not four-year-olds who have ADHD. These are adults. We're in university. We're at a leading you know, a globally globally ranked leading business school. Well, you know, we the, the students don't know anymore how to sit in class for this long. Okay, we have to find ways to help them, just help them to be able to sit long enough in a lecture. Well, students no longer know how to take notes. And so a lot of them are just having, because of, you know, the epidemic of mental health, they're no longer able to, you know, take notes, right? Uh, students aren't able to to write exams. It's simply it's too anxiety inducing for them to write exams. I can tell you that the number of students who register via, you know, the the office, uh, you know, that manages disabilities, it just from personal experience has drastically gone up. I used to almost never have students registering in this now you know there are many many more again i'm not i'm not uh, uh minimizing the fact that people can go through struggles but why is it that there is a sudden massive increase now why is it that we have to be discussing you know note taking is too stressful exam taking is too stressful sitting in a classroom just listening in a lecture is too stressful uh i sit on the phd uh, admissions committee at, at my school and unbeknownst to me and apparently to my other colleagues uh, the GMAT exam was removed as a as a you know part of the requirements of a dossier for those of you who don't know the GMAT is the standardized global test that is given to students who wish to apply for either an MBA program or who wish to get into a PhD program in in you know the business schools uh, it's like the MCAT, it's like the LSAT, MCAT for medical school, LSAT for law schools. And it, it is one of many important metrics that go into evaluating a student. Is it the sole metric? Is it fully predictive uh, of your likelihood to succeed? Of course not, but it is certainly an important one. It's certainly one that helps me differentiate someone who scored a 98 top percentile on a GMAT score from someone who scored... A, you know, a 30 percentile. It is very important, especially when you're getting applications from you know, people from universities from around the world, many of which those universities you, you don't, you've never heard of in programs that you're unsure of their quality. So standardized exams or tests exist for a reason and they've served uh, their function very well for many, many decades. But no, now... That's no longer. So don't give standardized tests. Don't give grading. If you give grading, give everyone A's. When they go through the program, make sure that you slash the number of credits that they are required because, you know, life is hard. So imagine what that says about the ethos of a society. Imagine what that says about understanding the, the value of hard work, discipline, uh, struggles, commitment, resilience, 
grit, persistence, all of these things that are virtues, that are things that one would say, I am proud that I exhibit those traits because those traits will hopefully allow me to succeed in life, whether I wish to be a top soccer player or to be a surgeon or to be to be a top business person and therefore get business school training or whatever your goal is, right? Every day I wake up and I have a very punishing schedule. I get up, I do tons of work, I have to meet 15, 16, 17, 18,000 steps a day, so I have to exercise several hours. So everything is like a machine and I don't need to, I don't need to work as hard. No one is running after me with a gun to work harder. No one is telling me to do those steps, but it is a set of values and virtues that are within me that allow me to achieve the things that I do. Now, if we then turn to the students that are placed under our care, our care to enrich their minds, not to be gentle and compassionate and hug them and make sure that, right? That's not what the goal of university is. Now, again, that doesn't mean that people don't go through struggles. That doesn't mean that people don't need help at time. But that's not the ultimate objective and goal of a university. It is not to coddle your feelings. It's not to serve as a safe space for your emotional well-being, right? I remember so well when I was an undergraduate student uh, and my dad would get up to go to the bathroom and he'd pass by my window and it'd be, you know, uh, you know, he'd go to bed early and it's 11 o'clock at night. He'd look at my room and say, oh, son, you're still studying. Then he'd come back at two o'clock when he's going back to the bathroom again. Oh, son, you're still studying and on and on. That sticks in my mind because it captures the fact that I was sitting there. I was a top student, but I'm studying incessantly and I was a soccer player and I was running couple of marathons. You don't get anywhere in life by coasting. You don't get anywhere in life by constantly seeking to look in the mirror and say, I'm okay. Are you okay? Again, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely sentimental person. I'm a sensitive person. I care about people's feelings. But when you play soccer, you don't care about someone's feeling. Your goal is to win the game. When you come into my classroom my job is to train you how to think. So until the day that universities decide that we're going back to the fundamental mission being of training students to be critical thinkers, to be well-armed citizens in a civic society, again, it doesn't matter what you study. You can study Shakespeare. You could study art history, you could study neuroscience or mathematics or consumer behavior. But universities are meant to teach you knowledge, to teach you how to think, to elevate you in terms of your intellect. They're not there to constantly scam lower number of credits, lower meaning of what grades mean the eradication of grades. In other words, it's a full prong attack on anything that resembles meritocracy, right? Com competition is frowned upon. Merit-based 
evaluations are frowned upon. I mean, everything that is considered virtuous in terms of this person is a top student, this person has talent, this person has... Just the fact that I say this person is more talented than this person, that itself is probably some form of white supremacy. It's unbelievable. It truly is. I've been warning about this for a very long time, and it seems as though there is no end to it. There, there is no autocorrective mechanism where now we're saying, wait a minute, enough for this. Let's go back to real standards. Let's go back to building resilience into young adults. I'm frustrated, but I persevere. I persevere. Pers perseverance. Uh, hoping that tomorrow will be a better day. If you love and appreciate my work, at the very least, please consider heading off right now at the end of this clip and pre-ordering a copy of The Sad Truth About Happiness. Take care, everybody. Cheers.